Hello, and welcome to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. I'm your host, Jeff Zerang. In Minding the Forest, we talk about sustainable forestry, how important forests are to Louisiana and its economy, and how Louisiana's forests benefit everyone. This is a two-part series on Minding the Forest with tax attorney and estate specialist, Paul Spillers, where we'll talk about timber and taxes. We'll learn about what a tax basis is and how to best take advantage of it. Here's part one. We have with us today Paul Spillers, past president of the Louisiana Forestry Association, uh, also a tax attorney, landowner, forest land manager. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Well, thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to visiting with you, Jeff, and hopefully uh, we'll have some uh, issues we can chat about that uh, maybe, uh, maybe some of our members can uh, benefit from. Well, let's start out first. Uh, in, in our early conversations, you had mentioned that it's really, really important to build a good foundation. So if there are people out there who have just acquired or about to or want to acquire timberland, uh, what are some of the things that they should be looking at first and foremost? First and foremost, by far the most important is when you're purchasing, when you're purchasing that land and timber, you want to allocate as much of your purchase price as you reasonably can to timber and as little as you can get by with to land. The reason you want to allocate your purchase price to the trees is because you're establishing a tax basis in those trees. And the more tax basis you have, the better off you're going to be down the road, whether you have a casualty or whether you're selling timber. Uh, you need basis. So every opportunity you have, add to your basis. The most critical point, though, is the initial acquisition. Uh, make sure you, you establish a good, solid tax basis when you acquire that property. Okay, let's start out with the very basic of that. How would you explain what a tax basis is? The tax basis essentially is what you paid for something. What, what, what did it cost? That's your, that's your initial cost tax basis. It's what you paid for it. And the reason it's so important is when you sell that property, if you sell it for more than your tax basis, you're going to have gain and you're going to pay tax on the gain. So it stands to reason the more basis you have, the more basis that you've established in the beginning, the less gain you're going to have down the road. So how do you differentiate in establishing a uh, tax basis with, with land or versus land? You said you want to uh, mark as much as you reasonably can as timber for a tax basis and as little as you have to for land. Explain how, what are the differences there? The very good question and very important. The land basis, you don't get any benefit back from that until you sell the land way down the road, maybe a generation or two before that land is ever sold. So the allocation to land basis, there's no real benefit to the owner from allocating much, if anything, to the land. On the other hand, what you allocate to the trees and the timber the basis allocated to your trees, you're going to begin to use that 
for a tax saving the very first time you sell timber. Because when you sell timber, you offset the sales price with your basis. So if you've got a sales price of 10000 and you got a basis of 6000 you only pay tax on 4000 So by allocating as much as you can to timber, when you sell that timber at some point in the future, you're going to have more basis to offset more gain and pay less tax. How is that calculated? Does it depend on what exactly exists on the land? If you have, say, uh, 40 acres and possibly 10 of those is a meadow, can you have to break it up like that? What you do is to hire a good consulting forester. Your forester is critical because the forester is going to be able to tell me, the owner, the volume and the value of the trees. The volume and the value of the trees. That establishes the basis, that initial basis. So the meadow out there in the middle, there are no trees out there. But around the meadow, there are trees that the forester can count and determine the volume and the value of those trees. So that would determine what tax basis is for that any particular property? That's correct. Okay. So in setting this up correctly and, and trying to get as much basis as you can, it's good to go through a consulting forester who can really assess that accurately for you. You, you have a lot more confidence in your number if you've involved your forester. Your forester knows a lot about those trees that people like me may not know. So he can give you an informed opinion. It's an opinion, but it's an informed opinion about the volume and the value of those trees. So what are the important records to have when you acquire this property and and make that assessment? The most important document is called an agreement or a contract. When you agree to purchase property, in that agreement, you would spell out the value that you want to allocate to the timber and the value you want to allocate to the land. Those numbers would be in that initial contract where you agreed to buy the property. If I'm buying 100 acres from you, Jeff, we'll sit down and talk about, negotiate, and at some point we'll say, yeah, we got a deal. Before you, you know, before that deal is cast into stone, there needs to be a written agreement where you agree to sell and I agree to buy. That's called in a contract or an agreement. In that document, if a, an astute owner would have talked to his forester and his forester would have said, you know, here's how much you should allocate to the trees and here's how much you should allocate to the, to the dirt. And the total value is the, the value that, that you want. And as a seller, you don't care whether it's trees or land. But to the buyer, I want input from that forester, and then I want to take those numbers that my forester gives me and put them in that agreement to purchase. That's the key document. Is there any different assessment if, say, um, I was your favorite son and you wanted to gift to me that 100 acres? Yes. if uh, Jeff, if you're my son and I want to give it to you, I can give it to you. All it takes is me signing an act of donation. You have to sign accepting it. 
The key difference on that acquisition would be whatever my basis is as a donor, whatever my basis is in the timber becomes your basis automatically. There's no negotiating. I mean, that's what the law says. The donor's basis becomes carried over to the donee. So whatever my basis is becomes yours. Most people that are giving away property toward the end of life especially, their basis, the donor's basis, is typically real low because they've had the property for many years, they've cut the trees, they've depleted their basis down to zero. So most donors would not have any tax basis or very little. So that, that basis, whatever it may be, is carried over to you, the donee. Is there any difference if that land is inherited versus um, donated? Very, very big difference. That's perhaps the most significant issue uh, in the way we acquire property. Because when that property passes through an estate to the children, typically, the value of that property, whatever it is on the date of death, the tax basis gets stepped up to the fair market value. So that fair market value on the date of death becomes the heir's tax basis. Okay. It's kind of magically. But the law allows that. The law says that's, that's the result. You don't have to file a form with the IRS. You just start using that new tax basis, that stepped-up tax basis. If you sell trees, you've got a lot of basis to offset income and pay no tax on the sale of trees. If you're properly managing the forests and uh, you do take advantage of the basis uh, uh, as you harvest, uh, can you deplete that basis entirely even though you've replanted? Do you, is there a way to reacquire a basis as a new crop of trees come to maturity? There's an option. When you plant trees, you've got an option. You can deduct the cost of planting those trees if you take a current deduction, a deduction that year, if you deduct the cost of planting those trees, there's no tax basis, period. On the other hand, if you plant trees and incur a cost and you do not deduct that cost, that cost of planting gets in allocated to your depletion account or your tax basis. So, so that cost, whatever it is, is, is a, gets plowed into your basis and that basis will be available in the future. At some point down the road, usually 15, 20 years, when you start cutting trees, you begin to use the basis, okay? Typically, that's not a good result because you would rather get the benefit of that cost in the very first year when you plant those trees. So the law does give us this option. You can elect to deduct it when you plant the trees and get an immediate tax benefit, or number two, allocate it to basis and get some benefit way down the road when we begin to cut the tree. Now, if the basis is used up, you've replanted and you've used the deduction uh, for the cost of replanting, uh, future harvests that come up, there would be no basis to deduct. Absolutely correct. 
so that would become all a gain? That's correct. There's no basis left to offset gain, so you pay tax on 100% of the proceeds. This concludes part one of the two-part series, Timber and Taxes, a Minding the Forest podcast with tax attorney and estate specialist, Paul Spillers. Next time, Paul talks about tax deductions in managing your forest. We hope you join us. Thank you for listening to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. I'm your host, Jeff Zarang. If you'd like to learn more about sustainable forestry, the LFA and its programs, and how you can be part of an organization that supports landowners, loggers, and wood manufacturers in the state, go to laforestry.com. And remember, at the Louisiana Forestry Association, we're minding the forest for you. Mm-hmm.